Hi everybody, my name is Rob Scott from UC Today and in this session we'll be discussing why communication is key to cash flow during the COVID-19 pandemic. So if you're a telecoms carrier, technology vendor or service provider and you have credit facilities or significant contractual obligations then stay tuned. Today I'm joined by one of the leading investment banking experts in the industry, Michael Quinn, founder partner at Q Advisors. Welcome Michael. Hey Rob, good to see you again. Good to see you, Michael. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Uh, always a good place to start, Michael. Let's, let's tell the audience a little bit about yourself and uh, what Q Advisors do, please. Sure. Uh, well, when I'm not stuck in my, my house and home office like everybody else, uh, we run a global investment banking boutique uh, specializing in TMT. We're the leading cloud uh, and managed services investment bank in the world based on number of deals uh, done. Uh, we've done over 130 in the space. Deals like the Gamma Vos Telecom deal, the Destiny deal, the TPX uh, Cirrus deal of late. Um, we've got offices in Denver, San Francisco, and Amsterdam. Uh, so we've been growing rapidly, and uh, we're seeing our business focus change a little bit from M&A and financing to a bunch of restructurings going on right now. And we've had a lot of experience over the years uh, serving as chief restructuring officer for companies as well as helping them uh, through liquidity crises. We saw this in 01 when we started and again in 08, and we've kind of looked in that playbook again to see, uh, to see what can be helpful to our, our clients. Great, thanks Michael. And you know, lots happening in the industry right now. We're, we're in the middle of the pandemic, as rightly so, you're uh, working from home and so am I. Um, and so it's been just a great time to talk about you know, this subject in terms of, you know, finance, uh, getting organizations in our space through uh, this you know, period. So why don't we start with why cash is king? Could you talk to us a little bit around kind of, um, you know, which uh, payables do you, do you pay? Which do you put off? You know, how, how, how to restructure and, and delay contractual obligations potentially right now? Is it? Sure. I mean, I think every every company, Rob, has got to look at what obligations they have going out. You know, and they, they range at the top of the food chain from their credit facility with a lender. Then it goes to dealing with their landlord and dealing with their critical vendor and then dealing with the, the non-critical vendors, right? So you've got that on one side of the ledger. And, and on the other side of the ledger, you have your receivables, you know, how much cash you're bringing in. And I think what people are finding in this pandemic situation is that their customers typically are, are paying slower than they traditionally do. So the result has been that you have your current payables every month, you have your interest in principal on your debt, and you may not have the same type of cash flow right now, A, either because people are not paying on time and B because you're not selling like you normally would in a, a, a non-COVID environment. So the result is that there is tightness um, between what the inflow is and what the outflow is. And, you know, it always reminds me of the, the famous Steve McQueen movie, Cool Hand Luke, which uh, when he's on the ground, the warden of the prison looks at him after kicking him in the gut saying, hey, what we have here is a failure to communicate. And so to me and to our firm and our advice to our clients is, you know, communication with your critical vendors and your lenders is key. 
And so you have to tell them every step of the way where you are, you know, what your cash flow looks like, what you can pay on time, what you can't pay on time. And so if you don't do that and then you run into tightness without communicating this and you just spring it on the, the vendor or you spring it on the lender, you're not going to get the desired outcome. If you, if you, you start, you start, you should start with a weekly cash flow, right? What am I, what do I have to pay? What do, what do I have on the balance sheet in terms of cash and what's coming in? And every week you need to manage that cash critically and you need to communicate with your lender first. Hey, this is what I can pay. Is there any grace I can get on my interest payments? For example, can I move that and miss an interest payment or two and add that to the principal? Can I get a grace period on principal payments? Can we, and we just extend out the term of the loan uh, to my critical vendors. Hey, I know you're important to me. We want to pay you, but as you can imagine, cash flow is, is a bit tight right now. Can you give us more extended payment term? Right. And then for those vendors that are not critical, you know, oftentimes business people will make the decision that, Hey, that's not a critical vendor. Uh, I want to pay them because they're a small, medium-sized business like me. I'm not trying to stiff anybody, but I'm going to prioritize the things that that are near and dear and critical to my business. And is that a fairly typical call right now? That cash flow call is, you know, I, I'm running out of cash. I need to kind of bridge this period somehow. Um, you know, because we're all in this as a service industry, aren't we? So a lot of organisations will be paid on a you know their cash is coming in on a monthly basis so is that is that fairly typical at the moment then yeah, no i i think you see it quite a bit and you know to the extent that that folks have a line of credit under their credit facility if they have such a credit facility or in capital facility uh, or a factoring facility for their accounts receivable you know our advice is to the extent you can draw on that facility because the more cash you have on the balance sheet you can then make those critical vendor payments and don't have to have those conversations, right? But it's, it's where you don't have a line of credit or you don't have a working capital facility or an accounts receivable factoring facility that you have to create your own working capital uh, improvement. And you do that by stringing along payables, unfortunately. That um, you really don't have a choice, so you need to prioritize. And we're not saying that you don't pay everybody, but you work out a payment plan with somebody who's not a critical vendor, or even somebody who's a critical vendor. Because look, if I'm the vendor, I'd rather get paid in 90 days than not at all, right? Yeah. And so I think, and, and, and a lot of those bigger vendors, you know, whether if they're providing you circuits or other kind of transport facilities, you know, they have a little more uh balance sheet uh strength to to weather delays and payables in small and medium businesses right so if you're if you're paying bt for circuits you know if b if you pay bt in 90 days instead of 30 bt can probably weather it longer than you can you know same with at&t in the states they're not going to cut you they're not going to cut you off because the that the public relations nightmare for the large carriers, the large financial institutions is, is high. Yeah, sure. So there's potentially two options here. One is to negotiate terms with your, your suppliers, the ones you're paying, and also look at, you know, your lenders. Uh, 
let's look at lenders for a moment. So what kinds of things could you say to a lender to, to get them to help you out right now? Uh, well, I, th I think a few things. One, you, you, communication is key. You have to be honest with them. Look, we will give you weekly cash flow forecasts. We will tell you where we are at any given moment each week. But what you're going to see is that we're tight right now, right? Our receivables are coming in are slower. Uh, so therefore, we would like you to do a number of different things. You could delay payment of interest. You can delay payment of principal. Um, you can get uh, additional grace periods on, for example, delivery of your audit, right? If you have a covenant like most do, because oftentimes, right, your auditors can't get in and visit you. So how can you get your audit done? Um, you know, to the extent that there's a minimum cash balance requirement in your loan agreement, you maybe take that down a bit, right? So that you get a little more cash to use to pay your vendors. So there's a number of different things that you can do with your 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 lenders, uh, but you can't do any of it if you don't start early and are very proactive in getting the lenders involved in your discussions. You, what you don't want to do is, you know, be at the at death's door in a month or two, and then you go and you work it out with your lenders. You want to start this, this dance early, right? And, you know, to the extent, it, nothing's for free, right? So they may charge you a fee. They may ask for a little equity. They may increase your interest rate. And those things, you know, it's all a negotiation. And you just have to weigh an increase in rate versus maybe a, a hiatus on paying uh, interest for three months, right? That may be a worthwhile trade-off for you as the, as the borrower. Sure. And you have a, a great view of the marketplace. I mean, you, you operate globally. How are businesses holding up at the moment? That's a, it's, a, it's a great question. And I think there's still a, a, a wait and see. I think that the one thing that we know is that none of these businesses really have a sense in both in the cloud and managed services sectors, and even in the traditional telecom sectors, what actual churn is going to be, right? Everybody's been hunkered down in their houses for six to eight weeks. And so you don't know how many companies are going to terminate services or unfortunately go out of business, right? So that's, that's still the one unknown. I think from a cloud perspective, cloud comms perspective, what we're seeing is businesses are having varied degrees of success. Those that are primarily uh, over the top and are providing cloud seats, they are actually seeing a growth in their monthly recurring revenue. They're seeing the need for remote workforce. They're seeing the need for desktop as a service and video clearly. So those services, those solutions, I think we're seeing an uptick in terms of billings and revenue. Collections may be a different story. On the other hand, the NRR, the non-recurring revenue, you know, selling handsets, uh, professional services for installing circuits, we're seeing a, a huge decrease. And it doesn't matter whether you're in Germany or Benelux or in the States because you can't get into a premise to put in the circuit, right? Or, or, or nobody wants a handset for their office because they're not in the offices. So you're seeing a, a, a bit of a, uh, a mixed message with the financial results of all of these companies. Um, so I take it that's really dependent on the, the revenue mix of, of the business ultimately. Uh, it, it, absolutely. And those, 
those folks were still primarily on-prem PBX, uh, they're, they're probably hurting more than folks who were providing a cloud service, right? And I think this clearly, in, in our view in Europe, is going to hasten the movement to cloud. And I think we're in markets like Germany and uh, France, where the penetration is comparatively low to the state, Benelux or Sweden or the United Kingdom, you're going to see an increase in cloud uh, communication services. And that, I think that's, that's a good thing because uh, those, those countries historically have been moving slower than other places. Yes, absolutely. I, I was speaking to Cavell Group recently as well about that, and they were saying that there's going to potentially be a you know, huge acceleration in terms of cloud adoption going forward, whereas you know the US, UK market and European markets generally similar kind of numbers, but let's say 20% currently in the cloud, it's going to be, you know, the pendulum's really going to swing the other way potentially uh, during and post uh, COVID-19. No, I, I think they're, they're spot on. I mean, it's interesting because clearly video has become an absolute necessity, right? Because you, you can't have team meetings in person, so you need to do it. But, you know, there is a contrarian viewpoint, Rob, where there's, there's going to be a backlash. People are sick of, of, of being on video calls and they're going to want to have in-person meetings as soon as it's, it's safe enough, right? So, um, until there is more testing, until there's a vaccine, I think the folks who can work remotely are going to work remotely. And so to the extent you can provide collaboration tools, video tools, document sharing, that is going to be very, very important across any type of industry. Um, because I think employers are worried about employee liability for having a workforce, you know, being too compressed and too tight knit in which the virus can spread. So if I can have my workforce work remotely and efficiently, I'm going to continue until the risk subsides. Are there any brands at the moment that stand out in your mind that uh, maybe some of good learning lessons for, for the industry? Um, I know we've seen some recent deals, IPOs, explosions in terms of stock price. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really been interesting. I, I would tell you that the, the M&A world has slowed considerably uh, over the last six weeks. But I'm starting to see rumblings and, and, and people picking up things. Like we, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky enough to be involved with the Gamma and the Vos deal, and that, that closed you know, right in the middle of, of COVID while Spain was, was on lockdown. Um, so I think for good companies that have a good revenue mix, there's still uh, an ability to sell themselves and to raise capital. For those that have kind of a uh, more of a legacy mix, I think that that's going to prove more difficult. But then you have situations that are, you know, uh, eye-opening, head-scratching, whatever we want to use, like PECSIP, the, the Norwegian a company just uh, announced that they're going to raise 200 million euro equivalent, or it might have been 200 million krona. I'm not, I don't remember, but it was a significant raise uh, on, on a company that's still quite tiny. Um, but they're taking advantage of the fact that video is just such an important uh, thing right now for businesses of all shapes and sizes. Um, where they probably can raise it at a higher valuation 
post-COVID uh, than they could have pre-COVID. So they're, they're a, benef a benefactor of that. Other businesses have seen their stock price get, get hurt because they have a mix of different services, right? Um, so I think to the extent that you're more cloud only, you're going to find a, a more receptive audience than if you have a lot of legacy services. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've got video conferencing in there right now, you're potentially in a, a pretty good space too. So well, that, that's true. And and what you're seeing is folks like Ring Central and Eight by Eight jumping on the video bandwagon by offering it for free. And so if if I'm a small business, why do I want to pay for Zoom when I can get it from Eight by Eight or Ring Central for free? Right. I mean, I think that. Uh, you know, uh, Zoom's growth in terms of users on its platform, security issues aside, has been been phenomenal. Yeah, I, I get those those strategies, those freemium to premium strategies. What, what makes my head scratch a little bit is, you know, how will that play out afterwards? Will we de are we devaluing you know, things like video as we speak because of those those offers? But no, I, I think because of the security issues around Zoom, because there's a lot of development done in China, you have real issues. So if you serve, if you're serving governments, they may have a, you know, if you if your developers are in Russia, Ukraine, China, we're not going to use your service. You see that quite a bit in the states, and I think you're going to see the acquisition of a lot of smaller video players because there's still a number of them uh, out there, um, and people will buy them integrate them into their own uh, UC platform and then sell them as a bundle with better security uh, encryption technology and the likes. So I think that's going to be, you're going to see an acceleration of acquisitions in the video space. Because um, there's a lot of them that are, you know, sub 50 million in turnover uh, that are going to get, get, get uh, uh, taken up by bigger players. Great stuff. So just to kind of, you know, bring this to a conclusion. But my last question for you, Michael, today would be just kind of what next for the industry? We've met, we've talked around a couple of things there, but anything significant you think uh, coming up for the industry? I think you know you have to look at the industry kind of in segments. I think in in Europe you're going to see a further acceleration of consolidation once people can travel a bit and once the the lockdown is is. Uh, uh, lifted because you're going to have people with capital, particularly private equity back guys, uh, being able to pick up uh, niche players like video players or in geographies where capital isn't available, but yet they want to expand into those geographies. And you're going to see uh, more, more winners come out of that, right? There's going to be, it's going to be a quick, uh, sprint to the finish, I believe, maybe by mid 2021, and the winners and the losers will have been picked in Europe. In the US, I think you're going to see some big, large transactions because there are some folks who have nice parts of their business and other parts of their business that are not particularly appealing. They're going to jettison the non-appealing businesses. There's lots of distressed equity funds, distressed debt funds, picking up those non-core assets. And I think you're going to see a lot of that as well. Uh, we're going to be hosting a, uh, an M&A virtual conference with the Cavell Group on the 4th of June. 
Um, and we're going to invite industry leaders from the cloud and managed services space, as well as uh, some of the more active PE and lenders in the space. And I think uh, in that in that forum, which uh, is kind of an interesting platform, you can bump around to different uh, 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 breakout sessions. You're going to see uh, a lot of the M&A strategy of these players being revealed uh, to the public. Thanks, Michael. And for anyone looking to get in touch with uh, Q Advisors or yourself, what's the best way to get in touch? Uh, you know, they can email me at quinn at qllc.com or go to our website, which is just qllc.com. You know, we've, we're up to 25 of us now across the globe. And, uh, you know, we, we love to meet new folks and offer our assistance where we can be valuable. Fantastic, Michael. It's been great talking to you today. Uh, some great insights. No, thank you. Uh, thanks to everyone for watching. If you've enjoyed today's session, we'd really appreciate a, a like or a share. But uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you. All right. Take care.